This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Deanna, as we talk today on the analysis, you had brought brought out an article that uh, you read recently um, that related to pastors and churches and the view of of pastors and their beliefs, uh, and it it kind of brings to light uh, an an issue and a concern that is not new. Uh, and in fact, that's really what we want to camp on. I think is um, the the people of God have always uh, had the challenge of the idea of the false pastor, the false shepherd, the false prophet. Um, but in this article, the 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 discovery was that over one third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way to heaven, uh, and uh, that that's a concerning statistic, and you could spend a whole lot of time just kind of figuring that out, I guess, um, <laughs> talking through the how concerning that is. Um, but what stands out in in light of scripture is um, you have people who have an assignment for God over the people of God with God's tool, which I would say is the Word of God, and their belief system isn't lining up with the truth, therefore they're not going to shepherd, lead, guide, teach in the right way, and that's that's a scary pattern, but it's not a new pattern. Mm-hmm. It's something that you see played out throughout the testimony of Scripture with God and His people and those he called to be over them. It's giving this idea that, well, anyone can go to heaven as long as they do these good deeds. And that's very dangerous in light of Scripture. But like you said, it's not new. It reminded me of the book of Amos. Mm -hmm. Because Amos is from Judah, and he's called to go and teach Israel. And remind them to seek God. One of the things that's happening in Israel at the time is that you have all these people that are going to church and they would say that they're doing the right thing. They're worshiping God and they're participating in the rituals of the day. Mm-hmm. But God is explaining through Amos, no, you're not. You're worshiping everything but me. You have idolatry in the land. You're you're using religion as something that you're just using, but but you're not worshiping the one true God. And it seems like to me that these things could be happening here within our own environment. And that is, we're saying things that are apart from Scripture, and yet at the same time we're saying we're worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's true. Yeah. The spiritual 
uh, aspect of life in in our society. Uh, I don't know if I can speak for all of America and have a broad enough understanding to understand the religious temperature of the United States of America. But but I think by observation, I, I can say that um, people are comfortable being spiritual or religious, mm-hmm. right? But adherence to the truth of God's word is uncomfortable. They don't, they don't want to adhere to the truth of scripture. They don't want the constraint that scripture gives. If they're religious, it should be good enough. And that seemed to be the people of God in the Old Testament. But we're being religious. And, um, and, and they, were, they were using their ideas of religion to try to worship God. Uh, and yet God's sending his prophets over and over and over again to tell them, you're not worshiping me. <laughs> you're worshiping and you're worshiping an idea of how you want me to be, but you're not worshiping me. And I think that's so much of what I see in religious literature that you read today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I've said this on our podcast before. Um, I, in studying for Bible studies, sermons, writing that I'm going to do, you do a lot of Google searches over a religious subject or a religious thought or looking up a religious word or, or, or trying to find a certain word. And, and when I Google that, I, I get all kinds of information. And usually at the top of the list is not the evangelical, and I'm struggling with language because... <laughs> biblically sound, uh, true to scripture answer. Mm-hmm. You, you get it from all kinds of sources that you go, their doctrines, their doctrines are not the doctrines of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't know how many times, um, I, I was preparing to preach this last week on the great commission which is so central to like evangelical preaching, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple times just in researching, I kept getting articles and information from the Jehovah's Witness Mm -hmm. or Mormons. And I'm going, they don't don't even believe, they don't don't believe the scriptures, but they sure don't believe the Great Commission, right? I mean, and so I'm like, how, how do people find their way in this world of voices that are saying, hey, you're doing great. Keep going the way you are because what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're doing, that's good enough to worship God. Lots of people are worshiping God like you are. And it seems like there are these few voices. Uh, you, you always picture the Old Testament prophet of the voice from the wilderness, right? There's these few voices out there that are calling out truth. But because they seem so far apart and so rare to the rest of the voices, that they can be discounted. You have these spiritual people and this lack of understanding, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that I saw the other day when I was just scrolling through something, it said, Jesus said, they will know my people by the way they, and at the top of it, it had rules and then it was marked out. And then it had obedience and it was marked out and it was going to church and it was marked out and it was doing good deeds and it was marked out 
and at the bottom of it said love. And I thought to myself, that's a partial truth. Jesus did say, you will know my disciples by the way they love one another. But how did Jesus define love? Mm -hmm. And he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think that when we are not taught the word of God in our churches or we're not taught the word of God as we're discipling through Christianity, mm -hmm. if we are not taught these things, then this is the kind of theology that we end up with. Yeah. And I think when you said earlier, this isn't new, you're absolutely right. It's not new. And that's why we hear from the prophet, prophet Hosea mm -hmm. 4, 6, when he says, my people perish by lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is that knowledge that they're supposed to have that they're perishing from? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite verses from uh, the prophetic books, especially the minor prophets, uh, is, is that verse that you just quoted. Because really both of us have given our adult lives to trying to study and teach others God's Word so they'd have knowledge, right? Uh, and I want people to take the knowledge and live it. Not, I think biblical knowledge, biblical wisdom is applied truth. And, and that, that's what we want them to have, live out that truth. But you've got to have a base. And we don't define our terms, mm -hmm. right? Just like that illustration you were giving us. Yes, Jesus Jesus did make that statement. Yeah, you'll know them by the way they love one another, right? But then you get to define love any way you want to. If you try to define love with the Bible, the same people who put out that little post mm -hmm. Want to go? Well, no, that's not that's not what he said. Well, if you don't know your Bible, you, you don't have an argument. Yes. But if you if you if you and you've showed us a great hermeneutical principle, right? Probably the number one hermeneutical principle: interpret Scripture with Scripture. Yeah, he did say love. How does he define love? I'm not going to define love, and you don't define love. Let's right. let's let Jesus use the word. Let's let Jesus define the word. And he said, "If you love me, you obey my commands." So now we go back to all the things you marked off the list. Yes. And, and he did say love, and all those fall inside of love. <laughs> right? Yes. You, it's a command to gather with the body of believers. Mm -hmm. So you're disobeying Jesus. You don't love Jesus? <laughs> right? We put that in guilt of you should go to church, you should go to church. No. We want you to love Jesus. And he says it's wise to be with the body of believers. Mm -hmm. right? You should read the Bible. Oh, you're just such a legalist. No, he says delight in my law yes. <laughs> throughout the Psalms delight in my law so I want you to love God how do you do that by obeying something he said he thinks it's wise if you do this right and all these commands are for our wisdom we talk about human good and human flourishing what's good for all of society mm -hmm. God's commands are good for all of society so when the prophets came along preaching you're perishing because of this lack of knowledge. Why are we seeing suffering in our world? Why are you experiencing suffering? Because you've abandoned God's word and he gave you command not to constrain you, but to free you into flourishing. And you're missing it because you're not loving his knowledge and receiving it and applying it. And it reminds me of Jeremiah. When we look at Jeremiah the prophet, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's looking out at the people and he's going, listen in chapter six, he says, ask for the ancient path. 
Mm. Stand in it. Mm. What's interesting to me, though, when I was reading that passage, I was like, oh, yeah, stand in, stand <laughs> in the ancient path. I want to stand in the ancient path, right? You know. Yeah. But if you read the verse that follows that, the people respond and say, we will not do it. Mm. And I thought to myself, wow, that just seems prideful. <laughs> and then I think about the times that I know his word and by me not obeying and trusting in him, I'm essentially saying the same thing. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it my own way. Yeah. And that's what we see with this article. You know, one in three pastors and you're looking at that going, wait, but the scriptures say that salvation comes through Jesus. I mean, if we just if we just use John three sixteen, right? Uh, then we know that salvation comes through Jesus. We know that if we go down the Roman road, if we do Roman ten nine and ten, right? Yeah, Call upon yeah. the name of the Lord. We know that it's through Christ that people are saved, and it's you know Ephesians. We're not we're not saved by our works. Two eight and nine. So we look at that and we go, well, we can't go our own way. We need to stand in the ancient path. The prophets speak to us and they tell us things. And I love what Daniel Hayes says. He has the book, The Message of the Prophets, and it's a great layout of all the different prophets. And it gives you a an outline and overview <laughs> of the prophets and he says this he says from the beginning of the christian faith the old testament prophets have played a critical role in understanding god's great redemptive plan for the world the new testament relies on the prophetic books repeatedly for its understanding of god and jesus the messiah mm. and it tells us so much about the richness of god and who he is and then we have the new testament and jesus is god in the flesh mm -hmm. affirming the old testament and speaking these truths that god has given us and for us to reject it then we are doing the same thing yeah. that the people said to jeremiah we won't do it we're just going to go our, we're going to go our own way yeah 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 um, we know that flows from our sinful nature, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have the same nature they had. So you you want to, I think, kind of from the sociological perspective of the world, the secular humanist idea, you go, well, that was an ancient people. They didn't have as much knowledge. We've grown in our knowledge. And therefore, you know, yeah, they got it wrong. They did it wrong. But we, we, can, we can find a new path because we've grown and matured. Mm -hmm. so, so we're taking all that we've known and we can forge this new way of being religious or having a God or not having any God whatsoever. But what we forget is we're the same people. We're born with the same nature. So yes, where we are today, is there greater knowledge about things from the world? Of, of course you grow mature, but our human nature is not any different. And so here we are in the same place as we're experimenting with our own ways of worshiping God and we're advanced human beings, therefore it's legitimate. All we're doing is walking in the old ways of sin. We're mm -hmm. standing on the path going, I'm not going to do it your way. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try my own way, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take this new knowledge that we all possess. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus did Jesus didn't speak against these things. We hear that in, in the New Testament. He didn't talk about uh, he didn't talk about homosexual marriage. So we're supposed to figure that out on our own. Paul didn't talk about this issue. We're supposed to figure that out. Jesus never mentioned the word abortion. It can't be wrong, right? And we use that kind of argumentation and miss the fact that all we're doing is doing the same thing they are. We don't want to hear the word of God, so we're gonna we're not going to walk in the ancient path. We're not going to go in and and by ancient path that was just a poetic way for the prophet to not say follow traditions. Right, right. Right? So defining language again. He's not saying follow the traditions. Mm-hmm. You have to do everything the old Jewish way. You don't want to walk in the way the ancient of days set in place. You don't want to walk in the path that was forged by God and His Word that is ancient, not because it's come through a long line of tradition. It's ancient because it comes directly by divine revelation outside of time, outside of circumstance. God said, this is the way and this is wise. So as we think about um, the Old Testament prophet and their roles, um, what we're saying is, they're experiencing the same problems we experience today, and you've got a great acronym that you've used that helps us remember, here's the problems we're facing. Yes, and I think about the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) Don't throw tomatoes at me. No, but it is a really good way to remember that we are not much different from them in the fact that when we think about the IRS, sometimes we have a negative connotation, even Mm -hmm. though there's probably great people that work there doing their job, they're doing what they need to do. But it reminds us of this acronym to identify the idolatry, I for idolatry, and then R for religious rituals, and then S for the social injustice that was going on. And the thing is, is that God is reminding the people that he gave them statues. He gave them things to live by in the Old Testament, and they were rejecting those promises. They were rejecting those principles and those statutes. And and sometimes people think, that these laws are not good for us, like you were saying earlier, but they are good for us, and they are they flow out of who he is. And mm-hmm. so in our society, we don't want lying, right? I don't want to be lied to. I don't want somebody. I, I shouldn't be lying to other people. We shouldn't lie. And why does God not want us to lie? Because he is a God of truth, and he has all these ideas of justice And we don't think, oh, well, he wanted justice for all mankind. He he did want justice for all mankind. And I think that's what the prophets reveal to us. Mm -hmm. That's why we can talk about this social injustice. But why does he want justice? Because he's a just God, right? right? And we, we want the ideas of morality. Why does... Why does he tell us that we shouldn't have sexual immorality in our society? Because God is a God of purity, mm-hmm. and he wants us to be pure. Because right. he knows that that's going to further 
us as a people in the good path, yeah. right? Yeah. And the prophets, they were trying to tell us these things. And then at the same time, we look at that and we go, we have to put off idolatry. We have to put off this religious ritual. We can't play games with God. And, and we need to be a just people. We need to care for people. Yeah. And he gives us those things specifically. And then they're also expressed in the New Testament. Yeah. 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 You, you, you see, it's a, it's a continuous thread of God's message. It's, a, it's the same story of the redemptive plan. It's all being, it's all being forwarded as he unfolded the, the truth of who he is and how his people know him, relate to him, and then live with one another is a continuous thread and he knows God knows that our problem with him and with one another is sin so he's dealing with the sin problem and constantly calling us back from our sin through repentance and faith so that we walk with him and that was the right the role of the prophets that's what they were doing you read the prophetic books and they're just I mean sometimes they're just almost depressing because it is you're just hearing you're hearing all of the sinfulness and all of the impending judgment if they don't turn. And even at, at some point in the prophets, it's you will receive this judgment because of your past sin, but there'll be a remnant that I'm keeping to carry forward the truth and to carry forward the plan. But now we're beyond the point. There will be, there will be judgment for this. And so they're weighty and they're heavy, but if you if you kind of get that context that you just gave us and understand why is there why is there judgment coming because our problem is sin we've sinned against god and we're sinning against one another and his plan resolves that and he sent the prophets to proclaim that and it's even though somebody comes and tells you the problem and mm -hmm. the consequences of the problem they're giving you good news when you sit down in front of a doctor and you've got a serious problem, he's going to have to tell you some bad news. He's going to have to reveal, this is the problem. I need to reveal that to you. And the solution is going to bring healing, but here's the consequences of that solution. Here's the side effects of that solution. Here's the recovery of that solution, right? Those are, they're hard things, uh, but we're, we're going to progress through those. And then on the other side, we've solved your problem. And, and so he's telling you good news, but you got to hear all this heaviness to get there. And, and the prophets, in some sense, have that. The, the calling of the New Testament pastor or teacher has that same, you can't abandon that. You can't, you can't be one of three in the New Testament going, listen, get to Jesus any way you want to, or get to heaven any way you want to. It doesn't have to be Jesus. I, I want to skip the bad news for you, and you can't you can't offer hope with that. And so he's trying to carry forward that thread of the calling of prophets. One of our one of our pastors recently preaching in the prophets was talking about how the the Old Testament prophets were there to kind of help keep the covenant in place. They were covenant emissaries, so to speak. God set a covenant with His people so that they're in right relationship with him and they mm -hmm. live rightly with one another. That's the basis of the covenant. And when you abandon it, he sends in people to be covenant enforcers, right? Yes. Hey, 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 we're straying from what's going to cause right relationship with God and right relationship with one another. 
And until you fix that, you're going to keep living in, in the problems that you have. What's hard is in the midst of those problems, there was idolatry, there was religious ritual instead of true worship, and there was social injustice that was taking place. The community was kind of thriving. They were wealthy. They yes. were happy. The enemies weren't crouching at the door. And so they kind of shrugged their shoulders and went, it's not that bad. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't want to hear the prophets, right? Yeah. I mean, they were like, don't prophesy. They told Amos, don't prophesy. Amaziah, he's like, get out of here. Yeah. Tells the king, hey, he's stirring up problems, mm-hmm. right? right? And then you have in Jeremiah 23, you have him saying that, you know, there's these prophets. Don't don't listen to them. They're leading you astray. They're leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, and it's not from the mouth of the Lord. That's what that's what he's telling the people. And and he goes further and he says, But who has stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should see and hear his word? Who has given heed to his word and listened? And he he's telling the people, he's saying, Listen, you have these prophets. And they should have been teaching you the covenant like you're talking about, but they weren't doing that. And so don't listen to them because God didn't send them. And then you have him saying to the prophets, if you would have stood in the counsel of the Lord, you would have said that to the people and they would have turned and repented. But they didn't. And that is what's so scary to me about this statistic is that you don't have people who are willing to stand up and speak the word of the Lord because they feel like they're being offensive or they feel like they're being unloving. Mm -hmm. But one of the most loving things you can do is present the gospel clearly to someone so that they might have eternal life. We don't want to be the people that God is looking at going, don't listen to them because we're not pointing people to God's word. Yeah, we mess up. We don't get it right sometimes, but we can always point people back to God's word. Yeah. And, and the real scary part is, okay, so one-third of these pastors are preaching a false gospel. Why are they still getting to preach? Why aren't there people that are going, time out? That's not what the Bible says. It goes back to that whole lack of knowledge thing. And so I, I think we would want to encourage, how do, how do we prepare our children who will grow up and ours have moved into these phases of life they're on their own, moving to new places, going going to new communities and finding their own churches. How do you prepare them so that when they walk into a place of worship and they begin to hear somebody articulate arguments from the Bible that, that are contrary to truth but sound good and sound helpful, how do you prepare them to go, whoa, time out? I don't know that what you're saying is squaring with Scripture. How do you prepare them to know that? And that goes back to, we talk about the role of the prophets. Mm-hmm. We have the role of the parents. And, and God had given a role to the parents before he ever called prophets into the scene. Mm-hmm. Right? You go all the way back to Deuteronomy 6. And parents were to be teaching, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? What does that come back? Idolatry. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, immediately. There's one God, right? Uh, and and then the statutes and commands I've given you, which are meant to cause you to worship me and work with other people. So now you're dealing with not just idolatry, worship me properly and live life with other people. Teach them 
that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus added to that, and your neighbors yourself. On these two laws hang the whole law and prophets. So we're dealing with that whole social injustice issue. Uh, when we live with God rightly, we live with one another rightly. Um, and then teach them diligently, teach them passionately, right? This should come from your life, from your heart. Bind them to your hands, bind them to your head, keep them near you, put them on the doorpost, let it be in your home when they sit, when they rise up, when they walk. You've got to be teaching. As parents, if we'll follow that counsel, mm-hmm. we'll be training the next generation that even if a false prophet arises, they'll be there to say, wait, that's not squaring with God's word. We need to call we need to call forward a, a pastor, preacher, prophet, teacher that will teach us God's truth. We want to know what God has to say, not what you have to say. But you can train them to do that. So Deanna, as as we close today, um, I I just want to encourage the the church that uh, you you can take on that role from the role of parent. Maybe you're not a parent, uh, but uh, you can be a, a teacher in your church, training the next generation. As a grandparent, you can still have that role, but it, it boils down to: Will we invest ourselves to know God's word? and then surround ourselves with others to walk that journey with us and uh, to make sure that we're asking our pastors and shepherds to be faithful to the Word of God and and be Bereans. We mention this a lot, but you have to personally be a Berean to understand God's Word and to weigh everything in light of Scripture. Thanks for the conversation today. I hope that is an encouragement to those who listen.